Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. What up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross alongside my man, Jack McKenzie, and we appreciate you joining us for another week. And, uh, man, it's uh, it's been fun. It's been a, a good ride. Nice shirt, by the way. I got to give you some compliments. Little, yeah. little email in the house. I like yeah, that. We, we got some uh, Kansas State home field gear going. Actually, I, uh, actually wait, no, this is not home field. My bad. Uh, it's clean, nonetheless. I got it at, uh, it was a rally house up up, uh, up in Aggieville, actually. I don't know if you know what Aggieville is, but. I'm assuming A&M's just have something to do with A&M. No. It's Aggieville. Kansas, it's Kansas State's Party Street. Really? Yes. I learned something today. It was today. a good time. Uh, I think that's unique to see, like, some of the, the, I've never really thought about Kansas State, like, what they have going on there, like, nothing. outside nothing. <laughs> like, just nothing. We have basketball. And and State sports. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty wild. But no, that that's much cool. Love to them. Yeah, yeah, much love to K State. We 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 love K State. We respect K State around here. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, man. So uh, it, it's been fun. It's uh, I was looking trying to find some segments to come up with this week, and you know everybody loves a good power ranking, right? Like you you can't beat a good power oh, ranking. Yeah. And so I come across um, this article on on three where they were ranking the Big Twelve coaches for football, and I thought, well, this is kind of unique. Let's get into this. And I, I was looking at some of the the rankings and. I was like, okay, this should be pretty easy to navigate, right? Like, a lot of these guys seem very similar. And Jack, man, like, bro, when I was getting into this, this is hard as hell to, like, determine, so like, to split. hard, man. I was like, not expecting it to be this difficult. I, yeah, I was looking over them, and it's just, where, like, where, where do you put Gundy? They haven't had a lot of recent success, True. but he's won the conference. Uh, it, there's, there's a lot of questions that end up being very similar to that. So, we're going to dive in, right? Yeah, so I was thinking, all right, so... The easiest way to get into this was breaking it down into different variables. So I looked at it as who has national championships. Okay, well, you have three guys right now in the conference who have natties. You got Gus Malzahn, who won the national championship at Auburn with Scam Newton. Like, that was just single-handedly one guy. I'm not going to lie. I forgot about that. Did you really? I, I, I forgot about that. Well, see, that's oh, your SEC cool. neglect. That's... When you put it like that, I think I can live with it. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. the disrespect, I, 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 a I, shot I, I, across I, the bat. <laughs> I was about to be like, dude, that makes me look so bad. And then you're like, SEC neglect. I'm like, yeah, no, Okay, no, okay. I, well, I, I'm glad you me. can live with yourself with that. <laughs> uh, so so we have two more guys out here. So you got uh, Lance Leipold, who won six national championships at D3 Wisconsin Whitewater. Did not forget about that. That dude, like, that. that's a program that, even without him, they've, they've still kind of done well, but you definitely see they miss him. And then you also have uh, Chris Kleiman coming in, who won four national uh for fc at the fcs level with only north four? dakota state huh only four only four does that seem dude like they're always it's like they've been like winning for two decades honestly like you expect him to have more even though they've won more after him that's probably right. why like that's probably the main reason why i'm like only four but he was able to like round up some elite talent and, and just kind of run the show there that was, that was one of the NFL unique things yeah multiple well, whether they played out or not, we'll see. 
NFL level means they were in the NFL. <laughs> you had for your a opportunity. While. They've had multiple contracts. Okay. Well, one's had multiple contracts. The other one is a rookie who apparently has a lot of promise. So, point is, there's always multiple that, NFL quarterbacks. There's always that promise. You have some promise there. Uh, so, another category I went through was Big Twelve longevity. And uh, look, this obviously Gundy's number one. I, I think what he's been able his he's pretty much is Oklahoma state, you know, through and through going back to his playing days and then coaching there. Uh, I threw Dana Holgerson in there um, because of his time with West Virginia, being able to bring them in. And now he's going to have this other opportunity uh, with Houston and that's put Brent Venables. I know that's going to be, that's going to be something else we can get into. And then I put Brent Venables in just because of his time uh, being the DC at Oklahoma. Um, he, he's very familiar with their, uh, everything going on up there as well. And then I went with upside. These are guys like, I feel like Joey McGuire with, when you look out at um, Texas tech and that whole culture that he's just oh, yeah. embodied, like everything about West Texas is Joey McGuire, which is really intriguing. And then also not to just kind of stick with those ties. Uh, you have Sonny Dykes. I, I think that obviously the upside, it's going to be difficult to build off of what they did last year but the expectations are there. And if we've learned anything from like looking at Baylor or looking um, at Iowa state, like you have this window you need to capitalize on. And we've seen some of these teams not be able to do that. And TCU really can't afford to fall in line with them as well. Uh, other ups upside, I'm going to leave. I'm going to put Leipold and Kleiman in there as well. I think both of those guys have upside as well. And there's something to prove. I, I, obviously, Neil Brown, is on the hot seat. There's no way to get around that. Like, I feel bad oh, for that yeah. guy. He seems like a genuinely nice person, but that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like, you've got to get the dubs. Uh, Scott Satterfield, like, kind of like, I get the same vibe, right? Like, like he's a nice dude, but you saw how Louisville just wanted nothing to do with them, and, like, they kind of were extremely excited once he built. Yeah. So you have, you have a lot to prove now that you're at Cincy. And plus, there's so much, like, it's I don't want to say flack, but like it just feels weird. It, it's it, it around there weird. with, and you know what else feels weird? You just named every coach, but where do they rank, Garrett? I know. All put right, them, like put them in order. Come all on. right. So what I'm going to start off with, the article has Chris Kleiman at number one, and while I like that, I'm going with Lance Leipold, and I know everybody's going to be like, "Bro, he hasn't even won a damn championship." How, he has done Excuse more me, with less, Garrett. He hasn't even won a damn I don't care. He has done more with less yeah. um, at Kansas. You can't I, get much less than, than than Kansas, at least in the Power Five. No, and so that's the reason I'm going to go with him. I feel like they have something to prove. Now, I'm not saying they're going to come out and win the Big 12 this year. No, that's not – I mean, but like overall, pound for pound, coach for coach, what you got in, in, in-house, I feel like he's the best overall coach. Okay, number one, Lance Leipold. Lance Leipold, who you got? Do you agree with that? I think I got to go with who you have at number two, Chris Kleiman. That's fair. And you, I can see how you could flip-flop both of these. Um, I just feel like while Kleiman won the Big 12 title, um, I think he'll get more, but I just need to see more consistency. I think you, like, you know what you got there. Like you're going to recruit your three stars. You're going to have to develop them. I think he's like the perfect guy to kind of follow the footsteps of Bill Snyder. Oh, I think he is too. My pushback against Leipold is, frankly, I call it my Scott Frost argument. You can do great at a place that it doesn't have as much, but if you want to be considered the best coach, not just one year in one power, one guy's power rankings, but you want to be the best coach in your Power 5 conference, 
you got to bring home the hardware. That's fair. And Kansas is far from hardware. No, that's fair. I get that. I, I totally understand that angle, and I respect that angle. I just feel like pound for pound, if you take all of that away from it, I, I, I like Leipold what he's been able to do. Like, from a cultural standpoint, like, you just oh, yeah. don't hear anything. No, that's that's great and all, and I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he can get Kansas starting to knock on that door of hardware. He should. But, like, like the reason I call him a Scott Frost argument is, you know, he could take UCF to a national championship, but he got to Nebraska and he just could not do crap. That's fair. I also, you, you've got to be able to win at the highest level. No, that's true, and uh, you know, and that's, I mean, no, that's, that's that's a great point. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, number three, I know I'm going to get some some flack on this one. I like Joey McGuire at number three. Oh my! I look, oh dude. My, I think pound for pound, ball coach, like holy, that overrate dude, him, Batman. Hey, I, I don't care, man. I like Joey McGuire. I think nice what he's dude, been able to wrong. do out there. I mean, like you had, you've got your first winning record, in, or like, well, you were third, eight and five. So it's like your first time Texas Tech has consistently rolled out in like thirteen years that they've had their best record in 13 years. I think just the environment, the culture, being able to recruit at the level he can recruit at, the staff he's put in place, I feel, and I feel like they'll be in the Big 12 championship game this year. Like, I, I've, I'm that high on Joey McGuire. Man, I'm still sitting over here feeling like he is running plays out of someone else's playbook. I don't think he's Joey McGuire head coach yet. I think he's... Matt Rule Jr. head coach still. No, no. I, like, I don't say that as a big insult to him or to Tech because Matt Rule found a way to get to the Big 12 championship, to get to overtime, to damn near win the whole thing. I think Joey could very well have Tech there soon. Do I think it's this year? No. And do I think he needs to become more of his own coach to do it? Yes. I think he, he really is does his own feel coach, like. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I see the similarities. Obviously, you're going to take the similarities from anybody you learned under. So you can't yeah, deny. You should. You can't deny the similarities like again, between him and Rule. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. But I think he does have his own. I, I think you can't be a successful. And I know high school is different, but I feel like that success, his mind, what he's been able to learn under Rule and Aranda, for that matter, and mixed in with the culture out there and i really feel like he's becoming his own person and you're always going to have those characteristics there but i wouldn't necessarily say that it's a carbon copy of that of, of the rule system is that i wouldn't i don't think you can say it's a carbon copy i think a carbon copy would would have failed in year one you, you like I, I just don't think <laughs> that's, that, that's fair like and i hope this doesn't sound like i'm backtracking because Yes, you've got to go in and adapt to each situation, and that's why a carbon copy would fail in year one. Right. Because Baylor is not the same as Texas Tech. Everyone and their mother knows that. Yeah. But it's – maybe I'm not tuned in enough to the Tech program. I just don't feel like, especially at the key positions like quarterback, I don't think they have the talent to go win a Big 12 championship. I think they do. I think Morton or Shuck, whoever wins that battle, I think both of them are in this conference. I feel like both of them are good enough to lead that team. No. To I do. I, no. I think that, like, Shuck I mean, is going to be hurt before the Big 12 championship game. Guarantee it. I'd put the mortgage on it. And Morton. <laughs> just no faith Morton, on the body. Yeah. No. And, Mort, and Morton, I just do not think he's going to step up to that plate. If he wins the starting job. That whole argument's out the, out the out the window, and he's just got to go prove like he's got to go do it. Morton's got to go do it. I don't have faith in Morton to that level. I think you know he could go win eight games. Yeah, 
eight games is not good enough to get to the Big 12 championship, though. I think I, you I need the help more, around you. And I, I, don't th- I think Shuck's going to get hurt, and I don't think Morton's a 10-win quarterback. All right, we'll see. I don't think that's. I don't even feel like that. That's going too far out in the ledge there. I mean, I don't know, dude. I, I think I, I would take either one of them, honestly. In this league, to be a ten win quarterback. In this league, to yeah, be a ten win quarterback. I think they can. Oh my, that's that's a statement and a half. Hey, I'll stand with it. Jeez, I'm gonna ride with it. Like, like really? Yeah. And I just really baffled you. <laughs> yeah, because you're saying that. You're saying that Joey McGuire and his squad are looking that much better this year in because these are power rankings. These aren't like overall mm-hmm. what have you done for me at all all no, times no. rankings. You're you're thinking it looks that much better for Joey McGuire and his squad than it looks for Sonny Dykes and his squad that did make the championship last year. I think you have less questions at your skill positions that you need to answer. Yeah. I can see that. I mean that's and I feel I like, like Chandler Morris better than any quarterback on Tech's roster. I mean, I think he has more upside. Uh, I need to see it more consistently. I, I really like Chandler. I mean, even going back to Holland Park, like, but I just that, I haven't seen I'm, it. They they all have upside. I think, like, I I view them all as unproven. And from what I've seen of them, I trust Chandler Morris more because you've only seen a limited amount at all these guys at their schools that they're right. at right now. But I also think when we saw Chandler Morris out there. He had so many skill pieces around him who are no longer on that roster. Yeah. yeah so I, I feel like he's got we'll see. We'll but I see. think there's a very I think there's a thin line there in, just, in between the separation. It's really tough for me to put McGuire over Dykes, who made the run last year, built largely around the transfer portal. Yeah, and, and, and there and were, Gary Patterson. And Gary Patterson. Uh but he's got every opportunity to do that again this year. He does. I just like Dykes has Dykes has come in, shown that he can win, and Joey hasn't won to the same level. And all of a sudden, you're going to say it's it's easy for you to put Joey above above Dykes. I feel like one year's a fluke. I need to see it more. I mean, like one, I, I, one year could be a fluke for both of them. It very well could be, but let it play out. So why do you trust one year of Joey more than one year of Dykes when Dykes had the more successful year? Because I think Joey has had more time to put his stuff in place, recruit his style you think of Joey players. Has his style, his culture, and his roster in yes. a better place. Yes, and right I think now? he's got. Yeah, I, I really do. Okay, we'll see. I mean, plus, I mean, we know like obviously the the having the the offensive coordinator change is going to be something to see. But like, how much of a difference is that? Because how much was Dyke's hands in the in the cookie jar per se? So that, that's what I need. There's just so many questions that I need to see from TCU that I feel more confident in Tech this year. Maybe not, but like right now, yeah, I feel more confident in Tech. Okay. That's just me. So who's next? Uh, Gus Malzahn. I'm going to take Gus at four. And this is simply Gus because... What's like, he riding here? Do what? What's he riding here? What? Why is he at four? Because I think you have a guy who has coached at the power five level of, at before, at the highest level before. I think a guy who has, who while it wasn't all good, I think you can look at the situation. Like Auburn is a shit show in general as a program. So I don't really want to put like some of the, all. I don't want to put all of the, the championship was more Malzahn than Auburn. No, I think, well, I'm not talking about the championship. I think, the championship was more so Cam Newton than anything else. But I think after that, like all of the stuff, I feel like Gus wasn't given an opportunity 
to build off of that. Like he he blew some chances at Auburn, but I feel like if you look at the environment and all of the coaches, like that's one of those programs like Texas. We talk about it year in and year out where it's just there's so many outside factors and noise you got to deal with and probably the biggest little brother syndrome of anybody <laughs> in the nation. Yeah. Like I, I just I don't necessarily I think he might have got a bad rap for how his tenure at Auburn ended. And I think going in um, to UCF, what he's been able to do, like that program has gone through what multiple coaches. Like you can go back to hype, Josh Heupel was there, yep. right? And then Scott Frost, like they've had guys. So that program's established. I just think now being able to be in Florida, be in Orlando, we know, like we talk all the time from a recruiting standpoint about Texas, California, Florida. If you can grab that talent, and now you're you're in a position financially too, where you're better off than Florida State and Miami. That's freaking insane to me. So I think you're in a position where you have everything coming together. Um, and then given that track record, and, and I think just probably the natty, I'm going to put Gus up there at four. Yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who you got? At four? Yeah. Man, I'm trying to. I uh, let's see. I have I have Gundy at four. I, I fall I fall pretty well with the top four on this list that uh, that on three put out that were that were kind of was our jumping off point for this segment, and it's simply because Malzahn like he rode Cam Newton to a national championship. He did, and all those things you were saying about Auburn before, you know what that just reminded me of? What Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. It's pretty similar. It's eerily similar. So, given how similar it is, what's Jimbo done since he left? Not much. But what? I also think his that's a lot of his ego and getting in his own way. I think that's what, that's the what difference. What has UCF done under under Malzahn so far? I Any, mean, anything of real note? I mean, not like anything that makes you feel like they've got great momentum outside of they got into a better conference, I which mean, is not which was not earned like completely on the field. I think he's I mean, not necessarily done nothing major, but I feel like he's been able to go into that program and just keep it sustained and make sure it's one of the top programs in the American year in and year out and being able to compete when he gets into a bowl game against anybody like it doesn't matter who they're matched up against UCF always gives people hell dude like and I I feel like that, that right there that. with the money and with the the ability to recruit and bring more talent in will help him also, in the big 12 don't don't overrate UCF's money I'm sorry. They no, still, I know. No, I know have, that. They don't I know. have the boosters of no, any trust other me. program in Florida. I understand that, but they have the biggest base, period. Like Alumni base? Alumni base, yes. period, in the nation. And, and I feel like once... And that can't be underrated. No, but also, I think you can't also neglect the boost they're about to get from the Big 12 money compared to what they've been working with. The Even, boost is nice. So I, I feel I like that... No, I understand that. I think that's fair, but I feel like... Their location and everything with that, they they're in a really good spot. Oh, they're they're in a great spot. The program's in a great spot. I don't. I guess I'm separating Malzahn from the program more than you are, maybe. Right. Uh, I just you rode Cam Newton to a championship. Great. Nothing else has worked out crazy well. You're good in bowl games. Bowl games are crapshoot to me. Like you, if you show up every time, good. That's better than most. A lot better than most. Yeah. But it's still a crapshoot who you get matched up with. Hey, it's so, true, but I think that they're one of those programs that 
it doesn't matter. Like they enjoy being that underdog in those type of games. So I think that's one of those weird factors as well. I, I that's why I have Gundy here is I see it similarly is he's been this underdog. He's got big brother in state and he keeps pushing. He keeps fighting. He keeps churning out like they never they never completely collapse. They're on the verge of what seems like could be a pretty damn big collapse right now. And if Gundy turns it around again, he's just done it one more time. Like they, they he keeps churning out teams that find ways to get to bowl games, find ways to win games, find ways to be a pest in the Big 12. And he is a Big 12 championship. He knows how to win in this league. I just feel like I have Gundy at eight, and it's because I don't trust him. Like I, I feel like just kind of seeing how things have unfolded there the past couple of years on and off the field, I feel there's a cultural issue there and players are kind of getting to a point where do you even want to go play up there and, and be around him? Um, I feel like he's been consistently mediocre his entire tenure there at Oklahoma State, and which is crazy because it shows how bad that program was. Like, and I think me and you mentioned it. Like, it, they, you had Barry Sanders, and then it was just nothing. It was crickets, right? Like, yeah. so I think that they might have gotten a little complacent with mediocrity, and they accept that. Whereas, now, like, I, I just I'm not cool with that. I feel like you've got to be able to take a step at some point and, and move forward. There's no reason for him to have been at Oklahoma State this long and not have at least two or three Big Twelve championships or not have more big wins. Like, I I need to see more. I I need to see more development of players. Like I I don't I just don't trust him. That's just me. I can see the development of players. I think, and this, I don't know where Oklahoma State fans might land on me saying this, but I honestly think there are some fans who think, yeah, just like you, he's been here too long for us to not be right, like taking that next step, because. Coaches should constantly be getting better. Coaches should constantly be making the program better. But at the same time, who's who could Oklahoma State get that could take that step? They would either have to find the guy who would probably end up leaving unless he took the step, step straight to national championship, or they just need to accept they're Oklahoma State. They are little brother. Their big brother dominated yep. the conference for between Oklahoma State's 2011 Big 12 championship mm -hmm. and their most recent trip to the Big 12 championship who dominated the conference. It was their big brother. Yeah. Who's now going to be gone. Who's now going to be gone, which means I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say, well, he didn't take the step. So he can't now, now that big brother is gone. Like, I don't see a reason to move on from Gundy. I don't see a reason to say that he's been too mediocre. Like there is no one else on this list that has that, frankly, even just has the years of experience in the Big 12. Oh, that's fair. There are many guys on this list who have a Big 12 championship. No, that was a weird thing looking at it. It's like, like damn. That, and so that's where I'm coming from with Gundy at four. No, it's I, like, I get look, that. I, I get it. He's not the most dynamic. He's not the, like, he doesn't inspire me a lot right now. Right. But God damn it, he's proven shit. No, that's fair. I, that's fair. I just, I don't trust him. I feel like if if Oklahoma State was to to hire somebody younger who really, like, lived and breathed recruiting and knew how to finagle NIL because I feel like they have a lot of untapped money up there that they could, if Gundy, I just feel like he does not. And you know, I know it's not for everybody, but I, I know he's just not 100% bought in on the new landscape of college football. And I think it's hindering that program. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I, I can get fully behind that. 
Okay. Um, I think from here we should probably uh, run through a few so, so quicker now. Yeah, let, yeah. Let, let's get to the meat of it. I want to see where you have um, Sarkeesian and Venables. Okay, so five, six, and seven, I have Sonny Dykes at five. I got Dykes at five, Sark at six, and Aranda at seven. And I feel like all of those guys have something to prove. I feel like Dykes came in, like we touched on it there. Like he was he was given a Maserati and told not to wreck it. And he didn't until the end, and they just totaled it. I don't but, know if it was Maserati, but I, I see where you come from. You know what I mean. Like he, he had plenty of toys to work with, and yeah. he handled that well. Nice Audi. Yeah. BMW. Okay, we'll go with that. And see what he can work with. It wasn't the top with. of the line. It wasn't car, the top okay? of the line, but, but he made it work. Exactly. <laughs> he hugged the corners. But so we, <laughs> <laughs> then we have Sark, right? Like Sark is one, one of those dudes where, thank you. Thank you very much. Sark is one of those guys where he has an abundance of talent. Like, and I think he's done a really good job of making it gel and, and handling egos. And I think when you have an ego and you've had to check your own ego from your past um, issues, per se, I think you have a good way of navigating that. And I think that he's done an excellent job there. I feel like they have the most to prove. So I got him at six. And Aranda, I love Aranda. I think he's a great person. Um, a terrific football mind, terrific defensive football mind. Miranda's so hard to rank in these. But at the same time, dude, like, and I know you're big because you'll go to the Big 12 title. That was rules, guys. Yep. Like, I need to see him consistently win with his guys. I need to see mm -hmm. him put a staff together, stick with the staff for more than one season. I need to see them figure out how to recruit a damn quarterback and get a quarterback <laughs> to step up and play. And I need to yeah. see more from the offensive line. I have so many question marks. I don't think he's on a hot seat by any means at all. I think Aranda will be perfectly fine at Baylor. But I think it's starting to get to the point where if the proof isn't in the pudding, then we need to start asking a little tough, some tough questions. I got to say, I'm, I'm right with you. I don't know if I had Aranda exactly at seven, but this is a good ballpark for him because, yeah, he won with someone else's guys. Great guys, great guys that he tweaked to put in the right spots. He managed that team well. Very well. But they have not recruited a good quarterback they have, yet. Yeah. Like, we don't know what Sawyer Robertson might be this year. We don't know if he's going to beat up Blake Shapin. We know that Aranda has struggled to step up and kind of be the bad cop sometimes. Right, yeah. And it seems like he's been better about that with his coaching staff, but that's led to a high coaching staff turnover. And there are a lot of questions that have to be answered. This year is the start of that. And... I think we're properly kind of discounting right. that Big 12 title. Like we've, I think we've ballparked it right. That's yeah. all I'm trying to say. Um, but but yeah, I I agree. I do think Sark's above him. I think he's got a more powerful program moving in a more powerful way towards the top. Yep. Um, I am interested to see where you have Venables though. So Venables, I have Venables at 12 because I'm still on at 12. I'm still I don't. Like you I don't have Satterfield and Brown below him. Yeah, dude. Like I don't trust Venables. Like I think he has potential Ooh, to be a good coach, but I feel like no. I, I just feel like Brett Venables is a guy who is an elite. All right, let me put it to you like this: He's kind of like him and Aranda are so similar to me because they're elite defensive minds and coordinators who are trying to figure out how to translate that to be head coaches and kind of awkward guys and, and kind of awkward guys. But at the same time, like, I think the resources in there, like, he's got to be able to take advantage of that. Oklahoma, and I'll give him credit. If they come out and play, like, that bowl game, that was a different-looking team. Like, that was, okay, well, there's Oklahoma football, 
But we didn't see that. We saw, I don't know what the hell that was all year long. Yeah. And I just have so many question marks. I need to see him be able to put it all together. Until he does that, I have him as a defensive coordinator trying to be a head coach, buying time to become a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Yeah. I only have him one spot higher. I have one more coach below him. But otherwise, I, I agree with you, man. There, there are a lot of questions to be asked. High, high upside because he is at one of those powerful programs, and he's shown he's a great defensive coordinator at the college level. And it's a, I mean, dude, it's it's not getting easier. Like you're it's about to really easier. find out yeah. if you can coach ball or not in the, the next one, couple of years. The one guy I have, the one extra guy I have below him, Dana Holgerson. I got Dana Holgerson at eleven. You want to know why I have Holgerson below him? Though? Why is that? Because I swear it feels like Holgerson just ran from something at WVU. That's very fair, dude. I, it was weird. I have questioned whether he wanted to, like, I don't know if anyone else's question is, but I've been like, does he want to stay at Houston now that they're joining the Big 12? Because it felt like he was almost running away from the Big 12. I think West Virginia is a weird spot, dude. Like, like it's, it's so hard to get to. It's so hard to recruit to. It's ge- geographically awkward to the conference. And they don't have very many resources. So I think you're kind of working behind that, the eight ball. But he came in after uh, Rich Rod and Bill Stewart. No, they've proved they could win there, but that was a different level. That was a different caliber of ball. And they were recruiting the hell out of Florida. They are not doing exactly. that anymore. How could he not keep that going? They hadn't won personality. He's an asshole. Games. I don't think he like. I, I, we can like look, I don't think he's a likable person. That's what. That's the problem. And I don't think that's going to work. Wherever I don't think, he is, I think Venable seems like a nice enough guy, and he's got he's got more resources. He's at a bigger school. I just I don't see a reason to put Venables behind Holgerson right now. I think I did that because of longevity um, and just being a head coach. I, I think like, Dana I know he's knows, got a lot of experience right, in this league. Right? No, yeah, the league has changed a good bit, but yeah. like he's been around the block. Right. I get that. I just man. Holgerson's got to prove it to me. That's all. That's all I really have no, left. To he say really on does. That. He really does. Nine and ten. I have Sataki and Matt Campbell. I think that Kalani Sataki was like three years ago. You got to look. This dude was on the hot seat, and then he was able. He had two really good uh, seasons at BYU, and then last year was a situation where they just completely did not live up to the expectations. Yeah, very similar to Matt Campbell. Very. Matt Campbell misses window. Iowa State was so close, like so close. And then now they're just like Iowa State again. So, yeah, I agree so, with you on those. And then Scott Satterfield, no Brown, rounded out. Yeah, it is what it is no with faith, them. No faith. <laughs> no faith. No faith. But it's interesting you brought up Holgerson because yeah. I want to get into this more, the future of Holgerson, what he's dealing with at Houston. And I want to take a look at Houston as they transition out of the Power Five. Houston. I mean, out of the Group of Five into the Power Five. Yeah, I know. So I say it <laughs> Houston, like with a U. But yeah, we'll get into that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you. And we're going to take a trip down to H-Time. And we're going to look at the Houston Cougars and Dana Hogerson. Oh, Houston, man. Yeah, so, all right, yeah. So, when we even got off to this topic, you uh, you let me know. I, I say it with 
a U, right? Like I don't do the huge. Yeah, like the good old Trump huge. No, let's not <laughs> ever. I will vomit. I will vomit. No, don't worry. Houston, no, Houston, Houston. Houston sounds fun. Houston, yeah, H time. So, no, so this is going to be intriguing, man, because the Cougars are coming in. This is a, a something they've looked forward to for a long time down in Houston, man, and. Uh, yesterday on 365 Sports, we had an opportunity to catch up with uh, Cougs head coach Dana Holgerson, and this was one thing he touched on was recruiting and being able to keep guys in house. I think that's something that Houston's going to be able to take advantage of. But here's what Dana Holgerson had to say about the position he's in with the Cougs heading into the season. Yeah, we haven't changed our recruiting philosophy. We're recruiting the same people. Uh, just uh, it, it used to happen you know, all the time, quite frequently, like a lot, is when I'd be talking to this, these recruits and their families, they'd be like, man, we love Houston. We, you know, really think the university's on the right track. We just, we want to play power five. We want to, we want to play in the big 12 or we want to play in the SEC. And I was like, man, I can't, I don't blame you. You know, uh, I kind of want to coach in the big 12 or in the power five or wherever that, that might be. And so I understood it. And so I'd have to shake their hand and, and wish them luck. And now, you know, a lot of those guys that, that I shook their hand and wished them luck, a lot of them are back here now because they know we're in the, the, the Big 12. And then from a recruiting perspective, they, they can't say that, you know. And so if they say they like Houston and they want to be a part of it, then they don't have that big excuse not to come here. And so – from a recruiting perspective, we're able to recruit the, the same people that we always have, but we're, we're finding a lot more success in being able to land them to come play. I find that very intriguing. Like, wh what are your thoughts when you hear him talk about that? I think it's really interesting, honestly, that it's a great point. And I wonder how much, like, honestly, the only question I come away with is, like, how many guys is that? How many guys have said that to him? over the years right how like just how much talent will he be able to attract to houston uh because they're like the one example that pops into my mind is uh mikhail harrison pilot oh yeah like baylor really wanted him i'm sure plenty of other texas schools really really wanted oh, yeah. him like insanely talented athlete stays at houston and i did not think that was gonna like i i kind of figured I once once I saw the bigger bigger mm -hmm. offers roll in, I'm like, he's going to one of the blue bloods. He's going to Texas. He's going to Bama. He's going to you know something like that. But no, no. And so, how many guys like him are there? Well, I think there's a lot, right? Because like right now, Houston's in the position where they've already added 14 guys out of the transfer portal to this roster. And you bring up Mikael Harrison Pilot. Like, I think what really caught my attention was the previous recruiting cycle when they were able to land Matthew Golden to come in, like the blue chip receiver. And he chose to stay in Houston and go there. I was like, oh, damn. Like, that right there is the future. And that's what's going to make it scary. Because when you look at Houston, man, like, I feel like pound for pound, Dallas could make an argument. And you're a Dallas native, so you probably have a different perspective on this. Houston and Dallas are so talented. They're hotbeds. Like, they are two of the most talented areas in the nation. Yeah. And now you have a team there with the resources. I feel like they can capitalize on that. Like, no offense to the to like the South Oak Cliff, the Denton Guyers, the you know these power programs yeah. that I grew up kind of around. You know, Metroplex is a big place, but for me, I was in a private school conference, and 
the best teams that were in our conference, they were in Houston. Oh yeah, it was always Houston. It was it was like there, there's something there's something in the water in Houston. Like they grow them big. The the best players I played in high school, I had to sadly share the field with <laughs> with the OG goon Marvin Wilson, Jalen Waddle, and Walker Little. All three of those guys. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know them. Uh, Jalen Wilson <laughs> was a DT at Florida State. He was the, not, the not number bad. one DT recruit in the nation. Walker Little was one of the top offensive tackle prospects in the nation. Ended up at Stanford. He's in the league now. I'm pretty sure on the Jaguars. Probably. Um, and then Jalen Waddle. Don't know if you would have heard of this guy, but he ended up playing wide receiver at Alabama and is on the Miami Dolphins. Last time I checked, pretty good. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say Houston. Uh, Houston has a. That's some pretty damn good high school talent. No, they do. And I think listening to Dana talk, like he was right now as they're headed through the spring, their roster's in a situation where they have 20 guys that are coming in the fall. Like, so they don't even know that like, so they're working with, you know, uh, limited at resources right now. And then you have 11 spots available with the transfer portal about to open up. I expect I didn't realize they had yeah, 11 available. They have 11 spots available. That can either go really well or really terribly. I think it's going to go really well. And I, I really feel like there's a lot of guys and I'm going to be interested to see how they do this in the future. And and two guys really caught my attention. I was thinking about when you look at um Trey Owens, the quarterback that just committed to Texas, he's from Cypher in the Houston area. Yep. Um, if he doesn't work out within the next four years or so, uh, you, that could be a guy that you could easily see go back home and play in Houston. I think you could make the same case for DJ Lagway, the guy that the kid that committed to Florida, yep. the four star. I could see him going back home. I could see Maubry Mater, the, the quarterback from the Woodlands that committed to Wisconsin. If it doesn't work out, I think just that position alone, you could. Like that's just examples of the type of talent that if it doesn't work out, like you can go get your NIL money. You could be LJ Cryer and go get your NIL go say, get your NIL money at home. I was gonna I was gonna bring up LJ and then I just sat here frozen in fear. Cause like that that's actually scary as a as a fan, as an that, alum that's of another real, Texas though. school. No, that that that's really real. I know. That's really real. <laughs> the, I honestly I somehow it escaped my mind the the coming home transfer. Oh, that's been my big vocal point. Thing. That is a huge thing. And that's exactly what we saw with LJ Cryer in basketball. Absolutely. Probably the best three-point shooter in the nation. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. hit damn near 50% of his threes in Big 12 play this past year. And he was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to go home. And what was it, 24 hours later? Maybe not even. Yeah. We saw the Lincoln Cougs yeah. uh, NIL tweet. And it's just like, I'm thinking about all these all these – one like again, private school. You 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 hear about the rich people, right? From from Houston, um, and then you see you also see the guys like Fertitta and and the the new mattress Mac, and, uh, mattress Mac. I was gonna uh, don't worry, I was gonna mattress say mattress Mac. Mac. <laughs> like you hear about these guys, and it's just you start thinking of the resources that that the city has. Yeah, and if they can just overcome Houston, the University of Houston being right next to not a great neighborhood. <laughs> um, and if they, like if they, if they if they can basically outspend the things that detract from Houston, which they I think they are fully capable of. Yeah. All of a sudden it could be like the prime example of a transfer hub school for success until they possibly get to the point where they don't need it because they've had the success enough with transfers. 
draft. And then they start competing for national titles just by recruiting them straight there. That's the thing. And they have a track record of putting guys in the NFL. Like, you can go back. There's, there's, I'm not saying it's it's massive, but they have put guys in the league. Remember Ed Oliver? Yeah. I mean, and then, like, if you could put essentially, like, a fence around the 6'10 loop, like, dude, and you keep that talent in-house, there's no telling how good Houston can be. Uh, One thing listening to Dana, though, was – he was because we talk about all the time. Like, our right, Houston's a good example because you have so many people there that are fans of other programs, right? Like, you have these alumni from Baylor, you have these alumni from Texas and A and M who go down there, and you know that's where they start their families. He was talking about how now with it's it's going to be interesting this year because if the question come up, obviously about having Texas come to Houston, right? Like, what's that what's that's going to mean for the program? And he brought up a good point, saying, "Well, that's more so for the fans." than us where you know it's great to have them but at the same time we need to see them leave and we need to see the true Houston fans show up not just Texas comes in and it's 95 percent burn orange like we need to see the the real base and he feels like it's there like it's been on life support but that's going to be a challenge I think that that's I don't know how they're going to hey, overcome that see I don't know if how much it's really there but my whole thing, which doesn't necessarily go against Holgerson, like I have a different view, but they get to the same place at the right. end. I'm Field of Dreams. You build it and they'll come. You build it, you'll get the t-shirt fans. You you yeah, have, you have enough success. You have enough success here for long enough, you will start stealing t-shirt fans from UT. You will start stealing t-shirt like you'll immediately start taking t-shirt fans from AM, I think. I would hope if you if you have success, while well, A still just being A and M in the SEC, and they're about to get they're about to go old school A and M. They're about to get left behind once again. I don't know about that. Point is, <laughs> it's like, another topic. I, I, think there's, I think there's plenty out there. There's plenty out there for Houston to go and capitalize on. My big question right now, and it's kind of got two parts: is okay. does Houston have a window that they need to take advantage of it in? When jumping, like, do they have to have success here in the near future? Which then spurs the second part of, is Holgerson the guy to do that? Okay, great question. So if you look, he kind of touched on the transition because when you go back and look, he was the one that brought West Virginia and West Virginia came to the Big 12. But he also brought up, like, you had two months to really kind of figure it out on the fly and make it work. And... They did all right. I mean, they got there. There were some bumps and bruises, but, you know, he was able to get it done. This, but now he's had two years. He's had more resources, and he feels like he can do that. At the same time, I feel like there's definitely pressure. Like, this is a team that went 8-5 and five last year. There were talks. There was a whole damn article out there about is he on the hot seat, which when Smokey asked him about it, he was not very pleased about that question, He was, which I, I loved it. I, th- I got a good – good uh humor and laugh out of that it was pretty good chuckle it was interesting but no i think there is a window and i feel like if he doesn't make a a run like in how many years like i think three i think you got a three-year window here and if you don't get it done then you need to bring a guy in who can take that and capitalize on that culture Uh, and i think but houston's like they've had they have no problem getting well it's different animal now but they've had no problem getting good coaches in the past but I, I don't See, I don't think Dana's the, the right person for the long call, if that's what we're going to get so down to. real quick to clarify, 
Does Dana have a three-year window or does Houston have I think have a Dana's got a three-year window. I think Dana has a two-year window because I think Houston has a four-year window. Oh, why? I think if you don't if you don't show up and within one full, like, these first recruits, this first class that's coming into the Big 12, if they don't, as seniors, produce a team that gets at least close to the Big 12 championship, mm-hmm. I think you're going to have a tough time convincing them, especially if other Texas schools are still going to the Big 12 championship. If maybe, God forbid, and I do say God forbid because I... Because Texas. If Texas has goes and has success in the SEC, I doubt it. Don't worry. Mm. But if, God forbid, Texas has success in the SEC and a different Big 12 Texas school is still having success in the Big 12, Houston will get left behind. They'll find themselves in the same spot. Yeah, you'll get some hometown transfers back. You'll probably be better off than you were before. But your window to launch, your window to launch into being a top-level Big 12 mm-hmm. program, I think it's a four-year window. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I you've guess... Got, you've got to show recruits that you can succeed to the level they want to succeed there. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be and a... So, so, I'm sorry. To, no, go ahead. But if Holgerson doesn't show it in two, they have a four-year window, they need to give another coach two years. No, they're going to have to. I just, I feel like... And you make a very good point. I just feel like right now, he's got a three-year window there. Like, you've got this recruiting class that you need to finish off strong with. And then you've got to capitalize, right? Like, and you're coming into a situation where we we went through last year. Like, you got Alton McCaskill coming back. I think he's going to be one of the best backs in the league. But he's coming off an ACL. You do have seven offensive linemen returning, which is good. You got Donovan Smith coming over from Tech as your quarterback. I think the offense is going to be all right. It's definitely going to have some work to do. Can you get those defensive skill players and the the beef up the depth in the, in the trenches? And I think they will be able to do that. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be a tight window that they have to figure it out. Yeah, and that that's why I say it's two years, not three for Holgerson, because it just I think Houston's window is so tight that they have to keep a short leash on. I'm gonna put it to you like this, and I would not be surprised to see this happen. Houston starts off the season with UTSA. Yeah. Jeff Trailer. <laughs> dude, I would not <laughs> be surprised so to see Jeff Trailer. So especially if they even if they don't beat UTSA. And if UTSA keeps it close and you still see, because what Jeff Trailer's been able to do... Overtime in that game is a loss for Houston. Yeah, not even... Yeah, without a doubt. I would not be surprised to see in the future, if, he, if Dana doesn't get it done, Jeff Trailer get a call from the Cougs like, yo, come down here to H-Town. And I think that would be insane to yeah, see what he that, could do. That's if A&M and Texas don't have openings first. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. I would probably say A&M but before I Texas. Jeff, I think Jeff Trailer is on the short list for those jobs, too. Oh, he should be. But so, yeah, that's another topic for another day. And but we will get to that another day. We will get to that another day. But I want to get into, obviously, the Pac-12, Jack. Uh, we can't deny what's going on right now. The Pac-12 TV negotiation limbo keeps going back and forth. And now it looks like their landing spot might be off the table once again. So we'll get into that next here on the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Jack McKenzie. This is my co-host, Garrett Ross. And we've been talking a lot about the Big 12 today. I mean, it's our bread and butter. Yep. But let's be real. What's on everyone's minds right now? Pac-12. Pac-12. So let's hop into it. Let, let's let's dive into the latest on the Pac-12 media negotiations. And uh, specifically, I kind of want to kick it off with uh, a tweet you sent me from uh, from our end. Yeah. Where he, it's a clip from his podcast, and he says, 
that essentially the CW is more more than likely than not just not actually happening for the Pac-12. Yeah, and this is really disheartening because I, I liked the idea. I know it's unorthodox. It's not ideal by any means, um, but it's a, it's a way to get your conference in every household in every major market. And I think it's, while I, I, I do believe, and I've said this before, I, I do believe streaming is the future. I think the Pac-12 has that right. Timing-wise, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think you're going to have to have your linear stuff. And if you just – I don't necessarily think the CW was going to be your bang for your buck. Like, And the more so, like, I thought about that was, like, broadcasting, right? Like, you're not going to have major broadcasters. It's good for your guys who are starting out or, or who are on ESPN Plus and stuff. I think those would be guys who had more opportunities. So it would be benefit them, but, like – I just I this really sucks because if you're the Pac-12 and you're not getting this, you know you're not getting Fox. I know that Patrick Craig's uh, has been out there saying he can see ESPN working a deal, but still like ESPN's whole business model right now is geared towards making everything streaming. So, like, what does that do for you? Like, I, I, I that's what I don't get. Yeah, I mean. I I disagree on this, the whole streaming is the future thing for live sports. No, that's it fine. Might be, it might it might be the I I think it is the future for pretty much anything that you're not trying to consume live for any TV show for any hell movie, I don't know. But there's something about live sports where I maybe I'm just too ingrained in it. Point is, I think streaming is a big L here for the Pac-12. I think that the CW not happening. The CW in itself, I felt, was a loss. Right. I felt like, man, you are having to go to a channel that hosts the Flash and the Arrow. Hey, and, they got Supernatural. Supernatural's a badass show. Never watched it. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. But since it's on the CW, I don't trust it. You should. You should. Jack. But you, you, you no, see I where it. I'm going no, with this. Going. Like, yeah. It's just... I hadn't even thought of the production quality that you got. That's what there. I've been thinking and about, it's just dude. Like, this is dire. This is dire. And then Oron comes out and says, actually, it's probably not going to happen either. And they just keep pushing back their deadlines time after time, month by month. Like, something's got to give here soon, right? I mean, yeah, because you need to know the, the season's about to come up. Like, where are you going to play? And... I, it's just baffling that we're this close and you keep pushing things back and you keep changing. And like, I, at some point, somebody's got to step up and take some responsibility. Um, and then like you have more heat keeping, uh, coming out with Colorado. Like I think you, these, these presidents have come out and they've spoken and they've tried to back the group, right? Like they've tried to save face and we're all together on this, but it's starting to crumble and it's you can't ignore the smoke and i i just feel like right now we're in a weird position to where the pac-12 I, I thought it would stay together i still think it sh it should but man i'm, I'm getting a little more nervous that it's going to crumble Dude, quick like I, I was saying this to you before but i feel like we are watching what is essentially this weird mexican standoff no, for real between all all of these parties involved where it's like, we don't want to be the one to jump ship right yeah. now. 
but we don't want to be the one left behind. Well, the weird thing too is like, do you like we we were looking at where the ACC was starting to follow suit, right? Like they were starting to crumble and they mm-hmm. wanted people out, and then all of a sudden things got quiet, and Jim Phillips gets that extension yesterday, and. Uh, it's like okay, well now the ACC is comfortable. Like there's something, there's something there that I feel like there's something that needs to be dug into there. I don't think they're comfortable. And, no, I know. And then the Big Ten gets their new commissioner. So now it's just you're in this weird position where everybody's making positive moves, and you're just you're sitting here. You're just like, sitting there coming? like, no, 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 hey, no, nothing. No, no, no. It's, it's like coming, the meme. It's coming. It's coming. The meme with the smoke around the dogs. Like, everything's, everything's fine. fine. Everything's fine. Everything's here. fine. <laughs> We're gonna be okay. <laughs> Do you see a situation? Like I think at some point, dude. You're, and I know we've talked about this and you disagree, but I really think Oregon could come to a point where they're like, yo, we're going independent. And, and I, I think they could make that work for uh, until – I think they could make that work for the five, five years, years when max. the TV – That's all you would have to max. make it – that's all you'd have to do, right? Wouldn't you have to make it just the five years and see what's going to happen? Like, no. Or you could also get off your egotistical what if, high horse. What, and, if the, what if the Big Ten wants ACC schools more? I think, well, I don't, but that's, you see, you see yeah. there's no promises. And I know. So that's why Oregon should never do it because there's no promises there. They, I don't think they can survive longer than five years as an independent at the level they want to be at. And there's no promise that they'll, they'll get the bailout at the end of it that they would need. But I think it would make a transition easier if you're an independent. Yeah. I, but then I don't know, like, are you going to have to point, buy out anyway? Yeah. yeah. Point, <laughs> point is, um, there's pressure there. There's pressure from all these different ideas, from all these different angles. And the most intriguing one right now to me is um, is the pressure from the Big 12. Because, you know, we've heard about the, the 12 and on, the Big 12 propaganda machine, and all this, all this, frankly, yeah. crap. It's crap. Yeah. But the Big 12 itself, Brett Yormark, there is pressure coming from the Big 12. That's what I'm trying to get at. And and uh, Canzano on his uh, podcast or his show, uh, he was talking about how he had a conversation with Brett Yormark, and uh, just to kind of summarize, it seems it seems that uh, Canzano's reporting that Yormark thinks se- uh, sixteen teams is the sweet spot for a conference, mm-hmm. so he probably wants the Big Twelve to get there. And um, current Pac twelve members would be the first choice, uh, but if they stay together then there's a 90% chance or more. That, that That's a quote off this Reddit post uh, that is summarizing Canzano here. Um, 90% chance or more that Fresno State gets invited. Cool. What yeah. does that do? That's the thing. It's all BS. It's all BS. It's all just pressure. It is all just pressure on those Pac-12 schools to be like, you're not guaranteed a spot here. You you can't play this just on your timetable. No, and I think it's also like if you're a pro, if you're a program over there and you keep seeing all these moves like that your marks doing like the unique things, right? The 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 single pro day for football, the camps in New York at Rucker Park, now Big 12 Mexico with whatever that's going to be where they're they're debating like tournaments or games being played like if I'm a, a, another program and I'm looking at this innovate these innovative ways and seeing how we're getting lapped I'm getting a little nervous like why wouldn't I want to go be a part of that why, why sit idle and just be laughed at the entire time yeah no I I I don't have a good answer for you there but I will say like there <laughs> It's so weird to me because I'm about to say something. Um, the the 
the very literal definitions of uh, literal definition of conservative, mm-hmm. not the political definition. The I just don't like change right, definition. Yeah. Well, I think this might be one of the first times that places like Cal or Stanford are going to get called conservative or Arizona or Arizona. Like, yeah, and then you got Kansas and Iowa. They're like, progressive out yeah, here. You know, like, <laughs> it's weird. It's turning it all on its head. We don't know what's happening, but. Oh my God, it, it's like just, it already felt like something had to give. Yeah. It already felt like the pressure's so f-ing high on the four corners at the very least. And then we hear that your mark is out here trying to put more pressure on them. Like the breaking point has to be close. I mean, it's an excellent business tactic. The breaking point has to be close. So does it last? Does the Big 12, does the Pac 12 stick or do you see within the next couple of years teams coming? The uh, Big 12. I don't think we make it through the summer before we get a final answer. And I think the final answer is the Big 12's adding schools. I like it. It just, you can, how many months can you put it off for? Well, hell, how I mean, many? they keep putting it off. So you, you, and it's I mean, a month every you time. can't. But what, what's the reason they put it off the next month? Oh, we're in, we're in conversations with Ion? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I sincerely believe that by, by July 15th, that gives them, what, three more months? Yeah. In three more months, they won't be able, uh, the Pac-12 offices will not be able to go back to the university presidents and the ADs without a number. And they won't be able to sit there and be like, at that point, I think in three months, they will have exhausted literally every option, literally every company that might want it. And they'll have to go, this is the best number we could get. Mm -hmm. And at that point, three months from now, I just don't see things changing. I don't see things changing. And so three months from now, at the very least, I think the Pac-12 presidents will have their number. And multiple of them have said, Robert Robbins said he wants to see the number. And then if it's in a ballpark, X. If it's not in that ballpark, Y. Oh, it's intriguing, dude. Like, I just, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't think the number is going to be there. And I think the number, ha- like, I don't think the number is going to be where they want to be. And I think by July, the number will have to be in front of the decision makers. That's fair. And then a decision will be made. That's fair. We will see. I mean, I, I think it's the ongoing saga will continue. It's it's like a soap opera. It never ends. It's, it's like the pressure is going to get too much to handle for one of Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. Probably one of Arizona and Colorado. Uh, yeah, I think those, those two are those definitely are, the most the, likely. Those are the first two dominoes to fall. I think it's both. I think Arizona State follows suit. Gonzaga here in the next month, we don't know. There, there is some, there's some heat behind Gonzaga to the Big 12 and basketball only, and I think that changes the math for how many schools you might add from the Pac-12. I think that's I also I because think, you're not counting on Utah. I'm not counting. I think Utah is. That's what I'm saying. Like you could use, you know, I'm I, I think Utah get that 16 sweet spot. Utah might get left behind. That's a topic for another day. Washington, <laughs> Washington or Oregon might get nervous, and Utah might get left behind. Either way, we're running over. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Garrett, anything we got to advertise for? No, just make sure every day, uh, 365 Sports in the afternoon, 3 to 6. Um, and then also just all that we do uh, across all of our networks and channels on YouTube, as well as Sikkim365.com with the latest uh, Baylor content. And that's about it, man. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Peace.